Yes, yes, when you hear the sounds of the ignition, you know it's car sessions. I am your host, Jav, a.k.a. Chet O'Hara, and also the voice of the logical sports fan. Welcome. Tonight, we're going to talk a little Phil Jackson. You know, I got, I got some things I want to get off my chest in regards to my all-time favorite head coach. I also want to talk about a few notable things that happened in week 14. And I have a little bit of a surprise. Matter of fact, let me let me put some respect on it. I have a major surprise for y'all right now. Well, let's get right into it. High Chief Triangle, Phil Jackson. This guy, someone argued, the best head coach of all time. Now, in recent memory, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to say, uh, what about Greg Popovich? You know, he did more with less. Popovich did more with less. How, how can you just throw him out there like that? All right, I get with that. I'm not even going to argue that fact. People are going to say Phil Jackson had Kobe. He had Jordan. He had Shaq. He had Pippen. Of course he's the winning his head coach in terms of championships of all time. My counter-argument to that would be, well, yes, Phil did have all-time great talent. You can't, you can't dispute the talent. He did have what some of the same people arguing against Phil Jackson would say is a top 10 all-time NBA player for his, for his entire career in Tim Duncan. So I kind of balance that argument by saying if Popovich didn't have Timmy for his whole career and Phil didn't have all these other players for his entire career, what are these guys going to be? It's a player's league. But the fact remains is, is that Tim Duncan is an easy guy to coach. Three of the four names that I that, that I named off on Phil Jackson's side are some of the most volatile personalities in NBA history. So, I think Phil Jackson is the greatest in terms of people management, which leads me to the point at hand. I feel like when it comes to people, when it comes to society, when it even comes to the game, I think it's past Phil Jackson by. So you're going to say to me, now that's besmirching. How can you say such a thing? Phil Jackson, you just said that you love this guy. Well, yeah, I love Phil Jackson a lot, the head coach. Phil Jackson, the personnel guy, I don't know about that guy. Phil Jackson, in terms of personnel, that's a shaky proposition for me. He went to New York. Most people know this by now. When it comes to the to the Knicks tape, Nick Nation, whatever you want to call it, Phil Jackson is not my guy. Phil Jackson, that move right there paid me to my soul. It hurt. Then when he gets in the garden, things are going a little haywire. I don't know if it's if it's the dark side of the force that resides within that building. I don't know what it is. Y'all Nick fans, y'all can turn your nose up to what I'm saying, but y'all know what I'm saying is true. It's some funny energy. It's bad juju in the garden. The way y'all lose games in there, the painful manners in which y'all lose games in there, bruh, it's shaky. So he goes to the garden. He's trying to put a team together. Nick fans, Nick fans, they're celebrating and now they hate the guy and then he doesn't do himself any favors in terms of the public perception when he makes the comments about LeBron James and his crew 
LeBron James and his LeBron James and his business partners. He called these young, aspiring, high powerful African American, and y'all know how I hate that phrase, black men who are doing really well for themselves. A posse. Y'all know in this time, you know, the election, the way this country has been fractured. One, you're red or you're blue. It's like your bloods and your crips, the way politics is broken down these days. You can't say that, being an all-powerful white man in America. Let's call it what it is. You know, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to pull any punches here. As a high-powerful white man, you can't call a group of black guys in this politically sensitive time a posse. Donald Trump, for all his efforts to make political correctness a thing of the past, actually heightened political correctness. So now it goes back to the point now. Calls him a posse. And the funny thing about it is, Phil Jackson's not a racist. I said on my Twitter a few weeks ago when when the story hit, Phil Jackson is a hippie. Phil Jackson is not about the, the interpersonal negativity. He likes to needle people. He likes to make fun of people. He likes to get on people's nerves. But racist? Phil Jackson is not that guy. He wanted to to put down these gadoos. And I think it's because of that whole old money thing. He's old money. He sees young guys like LeBron. LeBron empowering the people that came up with him to do big things in this industry. And as much as Phil Jackson might not be a racist, old money does not like new money in big business. Old money looks at new money in a way that you guys are trying to push us out and take over. So, by doing so, he felt the way, wanted to throw a little jab at him like only Phil can, and he called him a posse. That right there shows you that Phil is out of touch. Phil in his prime would have chosen a better word to describe the scenario. Phil in his prime probably wouldn't even have took a swipe at LeBron's crew. He would have took a swipe at LeBron himself. So him going after the squad, using the word that he used, shows you that this guy is out of touch. I don't know if it's when he took the the red, the constant red eyes from New York back to L.A., back to New York, back to L.A., back to New York, trying to run a franchise. I don't know what it is. I can't call it, Captain. But along those lines, he lost something. You know, I could be I could be funny and blame the Knicks. But I don't know if it's the hip surgeries, the age, whatever it is. He's a little out of touch. Phil Jackson is a sharp guy. Posse? Not racist. That's an old head. Making an old head mistake. You know, Grand Torino 2 starring Phil Jackson. He's he's yelling for people to get off his lawn. He's yelling at new money to get off his lawn. He's feeling some type of way. So that told you something right there. That's that's the first argument in terms of being out of touch with society. And I want to go on a quick tangent. I want to talk to LeBron James for a second because that's kind of frustrating. This whole posse thing, LeBron James, you're doing a lot right now in terms of being an activist. You're out here. You, you, you respond when things happen. 
you're putting yourself in a position to be bigger than basketball. You've even put your money where your mouth is. These are beautiful steps. As a black guy, I might I might get a LeBron ball player, but as a black guy seeing what LeBron James has done for his community and, and, and in public for the rest of blacks. In a way, you see, you know, I work in a high school. I see these younger guys. They feel a little more empowered. That, that championship for Cleveland, coming back, making good on your word, it was bigger than basketball. So for you, LeBron, you disappointed me when you tried to force feed a race issue with LeBron, his crew, and Phil Jackson. We have enough race issues on its own. We don't need to conjure up a race issue. You know what I'm saying? We don't need you out here reaching at straws for a race issue that exists. You know what? People say things all the time. We say we things. You out here, I'm not going to speak to Phil Jackson. I have nothing to say to him. I also respect. You don't got to do that, LeBron. You don't have to do that. People say and do foolish things all the time. But what makes us human, what makes us adults is that we can own what we say and what we do. And we could put it on the table and say, you know what, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. You could say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have responded that way. And as men, as adults, as humans, put it to bed. But you running out here trying to conjure up a race issue, it's almost like you out shopping out here, bro. And I can't get with that. Don't conjure up things that don't exist. Old money fills. Fills the way about new money coming up and making waves and having more power than he's accustomed to as a head coach for players. What the whole lockout was about a few years ago was about player empowerment. And you see it come to fruition. The new CBA, the new money, guys like DeMar DeRozan get $30 million and all of that. That's all part of this process of player empowerment and new money flipped up. That's all it was. And to LeBron James's good friend, Carmelo Anthony. This is where the game and society become intertwined. Carmelo is not part of the old guard that Phil Jackson is accustomed to, to where he can needle a guy like a Kobe, like a Jordan, like a Pippen, needle his his adversaries, Jeff Van Gundy, Pat Ewan, people in Sacramento. He's not built like that. While he's not a full-on millennial, he's fringe millennial. And those kind of players don't like to be called out in the media. I'm not going to call them sensitive because that might sound disrespectful. But what I'm trying to say to you is these players would prefer that you address them privately because they can't deal with being dressed, addressed publicly. Especially a player like a Carmelo Anthony who does not have the resume to puff his chest out when Phil Jackson pokes at him. He doesn't have the championships. He can count on one finger the amount of times he's been to the conference finals. He can count on three fingers the amount of times he's been to the second round. He doesn't have that equity to where if a, a coach, a player, or whomever calls him out, he can brush it off. Notice Carmelo always has rabbit ears when people call him out. So he can't deal with this. Notice he's calling Kobe Bryant asking, yo, what's good with your man? Because he can't deal with that. Phil Jackson, normally an astute people person, knows how to deal with all of his players a certain kind of way. Maybe it's because he's once removed and he's not the head coach, he's a little out of touch. But I, I, I'm of the belief that he's dealt with Melo enough to know that that should not be the route you take. You go directly to Melo instead of calling him a ball hog in the middle of a good run? Are you kidding me or what? It's not like the Knicks are playing bad and you called them out. The Knicks have been playing good ball. I should know they beat my leg because I lost a bet behind that. 
So for you to call out Melo, calling him a ball hog because you want the unicorn to get the ball more, and granted the unicorn is a beast, but facts to facts, you got to chill on Melo. You got to pull Melo to the side. A lot of Knicks fans don't even appreciate Melo. That's where the rabbit ear comes in too because a lot of Knicks fans bash Melo. For every Knicks fan that loves Melo, there's a Knicks fan in their half that bashes Melo. Y'all can disagree if y'all want, but it's a fact. I live in New York. I hear it. Y'all want to love off Chris Stapps. When half of y'all, matter of fact, none of y'all know who Chris Stapps was before. I knew about Chris Stapps and the Knicks movement before y'all. And y'all are fans. So now y'all want to push Melo to the side and disrespect Melo, giving Melo rabbit ears and all of that behind that? That's no good. So back to Phil Jackson, you want the unicorn to get the ball? Fine. Speak to him. Even further than that, Phil Jackson, you made a career out of winning championships by any means. Now you in the garden, force feeding the triangle, bludgeoning in the triangle into the face of Nick's tape, Nick Nation, Nick's head coach, uh, um, Jeff Hornacek, Nick's franchise player Carmelo Anthony, Nick's future star Chris Stapps, Nick's point guard Derrick Rose, you are bludgeoning the triangle into the face. I'm calling this the Phil Jackson triangular agenda because you keep forcing it. And it's not like you're married to the triangle to where that's the only way to win. Because I'm a fan. You remember, I watched the Lakers. I, I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to go too far back. The last championship that the Lakers won. When they had Pau Gasol, they had Kobe Bryant. As much as we did run the triangle, we also ran a lot of pick and roll. It was a Kobe Powell pick and roll. The Kobe Lamar pick and roll. The Lamar Powell pick and roll. The, the bread and butter play low key of the seven game series between the Celtics and the Lakers that year was the one-two pick and roll between D. Fish and Kobe. So you found a way to blend in other aspects of basketball along with the triangle. What is it about this offense that you keep bludgeoning it into the faces of players when it simply does not fit? Instead of you trying to force feed it, you got rid of Fish for not running the triangle and, and personal issues. You, you might get rid of Hornacek for not running the triangle. Why don't you look at what you have? You put Melo at the four, Chris Steps at the five, you run a four-five pick and roll with them two guys, the game over. Derrick Rose is not a triangle point guard. Brandon Jennings is not a triangle guard at all. The only guy who fits in the triangle offense on the Knicks roster right now who's a primary component is Courtney Lee. And you know what Courtney Lee's job would be in the triangle? To stand in the corner and shoot threes. So, Phil, maybe the game has passed you by. Maybe you have too much belief in the triangle offense. It's a, it, I, don't, I don't know. But between your basketball ideals and your interpersonal ideals, I'm here to say that it's past you by, man. You might want to leave basketball alone. Go holla at Jeannie. Let Jeannie run business for the Lakers. And you just be a husband. Give her the ring she's been waiting for the whole time anyway. Marry her. Get out the way. Because it's clear that all you want to do is yell, get off my lawn and run the triangle. And we're not here for that. So, part of my Phil Jackson rant. But I promise you guys I'm going to discuss Phil Society, NBA, I blended it all together for y'all. I hope y'all enjoy it. Holla at me, Twitter, Facebook, however you want to do it. But we're going to shift gears and transition into some NFL. But before I do that, before I do that, I got a big surprise for y'all. I'm not even going to introduce this surprise. I'm just going to put him on the air and let him do his thing. Guess the car sessions, what it is. 
Yes, sir. What it is, Mr. Jarvis. Wow. It's been a long time coming. Been a long time coming. How's everything, brother? Been a long time coming. Yeah, I can't complain, man. I can't complain. Talking about my man Phil here. You know, I, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm seeing a lot of foolery happening in the garden. I felt like I needed to talk about Man, definitely, man. I don't, I don't blame you. And I got to agree with a lot of things you said on the NBA tip, man. You said a lot of, a lot of useful information that I, uh, a lot of Knicks fans probably wasn't aware of or they didn't want to be aware of. So I appreciate all the Knicks knowledge that she was giving us in that, in that hey, prior segment, man. It, it ain't nothing new if Knicks fans don't want to hear me. I'm used to it, man. But, yo, <laughs> listen. NFL. This... this, this of all the sports, we've done the show, we did the show together. When it comes to the NFL, the in and out game is precise. So I wanted to have you on and talk a little football. Yesterday was an eventful day up until this afternoon. Highly eventful. Jeff Fisher is out as Rams coach a week after getting an extension. What the hell is going on in L.A.? Man, I believe the LA the LA fans in that in that organization they they're hearing the fans. Mm. I believe the fans got Jeff Fisher fired. Kind of almost almost in resemblance, but not to the extreme of John Isaac getting fired from the Jets when they were over the practice facility. They was they was flying the plane over talking about fire John Isaac. I don't think it came to that extreme, but the fans definitely played a part. In defying of Jeff Fisher from the LA Rams And it's been a long time coming You know what, I gotta agree Because, you know, this is not St. Louis I think I, I've been saying this for a while on the show This is not St. Louis This is not where you could just do a bunch of nonsense And nobody's paying attention because they're watching the Cardinals LA is a big town If you're not producing in LA and you want to charge in the big bucks To come to the Coliseum and watch him play You gotta put a good product out there They're not putting any kind of product out there They had a quarterback, they drafted with the first round pick And didn't want him to play and now it looks like he can't play, and Carson Wentz can play, Dak Prescott can't play. So it was like a failure of leadership at the top is a little confusing. They run no offense. Todd Gurley's taking a step back. So it's like, what are you, what are you paying him more money for? You gave him an extension? Like, I, I don't understand. It's like, they, did they think that they could insult the fans in Los Angeles like they did in St. Louis all them years? I'm, I mean, they did everything you can possibly do. First of all, Jeff Fisher's 30, 31-45-1 as a head coach. Mm. One loss away from tying Dan Reeves for most losses in NFL history, but I still can't even look at Dan Reeves in the same light I look at Derek Fisher because at least he's been to two Super Bowls with two different teams. So yeah. at least I know Dan Reeves' philosophy works. Man, Jeff Fisher had Sam Bradford. He had Nick Foles. You had number one pick, which you, you, you flunked out with Jared Goff. You had Brian Schottenheimer as a coordinator for three years. Now you got Rob Boris as a coordinator. They've done everything possible to make Jeff Fisher and this Rams organization successful, and he has failed. The organization had no choice. I, I mean, I, I, I can't help but agree. I, I've been lamenting about this man, his mustache, his mullet, and his football. The, the, the Rams on offense look like the, the, the Titans in 1998. They don't do anything at all. I don't understand how you. How do you see that this league is a passing league? You have no wide receivers. You have no tight ends. I'm not sure if they have no O line. I, I, I'm not following. You, all right, the NFL showed that the, the Denver Broncos could win with a big defense, but most of those teams with big defenses at least have an offensive line and a running back 
or a skill player on the outside, something that could get some points from time to time. They have absolutely nothing. And then I was reading things about the agent of Jeff Fisher is the son or the father of the owner of the Rams. So it, it sounded like it was a bunch right. of collusion going on. Right. A lot of fa- a lot of family planning going on over there, man. But I gotta qu- I gotta ask you quick quickly quick I gotta ask you because you said all them things. Do you blame all of that on Jeff Fisher or does the general manager Les need have something to do with that? Uh, I'm gonna blame the GM more so than the coach because the coach can't fire himself. This guy probably should have been fired two years ago, but he held right. on year after year after year for whatever reason. You knew he was coming to L.A. You knew that wasn't going to fly in L.A., or maybe they thought it would fly. But I believe that the GM is the guy that's in charge. He's supposed to be the one that look around and say, you know what, this doesn't work. Nothing is making sense here. Let's get rid of them. They thought that they could parade the defense around it and distract people from the fact that they have no offense, but that was a fail too. So it has to be the GM more than the coach. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't disagree at all. I can't disagree at all. It, it seems that to me, you would have to let them go together, kind of like, kind of like car and tires. If you change the front, you got to change the back. Right. So right. Right. why would you keep Les Snead and fire Jeff Fisher? So we'll we'll see if anything else transpires in 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 the L.A. Rams organization. But Jeff Fisher needed to go, nevertheless. I'm 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 not one for big conspiracy theories, but I'm willing to argue, and it might come out later, that that man got that extension knowing he would get fired. That was a, yo, you my man, and I gotta fire you, but here's some paper, because by signing this, they have to pay him until he gets another job. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was always getting fired, but they wanted to make sure he got some bread in his pocket on the way out, since he helped with the quote-unquote transition from St. Louis to L.A., which is complete garbage to me, but whatever. Um, right. In terms of the actual on-field product, what, what, what stood out to you yesterday? I, I'm not going to kill your bill for, for having Le'Veon put up video game numbers, but what caught your yeah. eye yesterday on the football field? Uh, uh, well, like you said, besides the obvious with Le'Veon Bell putting up 300 yards of offense, um, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Mm-hmm. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> you hear a lot, of, a lot of people saying you can't build a team in two years. That's why you can't fire certain coaches. Well, right. the Tampa Bay... Buccaneers is building a team, a playoff team, in two years. Right. Jameis Winston, in his second season, is putting together a playoff kind of season, and I really like what I see coming out of Tampa Bay. They have the pro-style offense, which fits Jameis Winston's skill set mm-hmm. perfectly to go along with a very good running game, whether it's Doug Martin or, or, or Rodgers. Or Tristan mm-hmm. at the time, they always have productivity mm-hmm. at the running at the running game um, position, and they playing stout enough defense to win games. Anyhow, you make Drew Brees struggle, you're doing uh. something right on defense. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they definitely get uh, a star in my books. I like what that team and that organization is doing in year two. Um, I, I can't say I disagree with that. I, I, I've been a little concerned about Jameis in his progression. I feel like he's a little too reckless with the football sometimes, but then I have to remind myself that he's only in year two. So he's still going to make questionable throws sometimes. And look, look at Eli Manning. Eli Manning, all these years in, he still makes questionable throws. So I'm going to lay Definitely. off of Jameis. But the defense, I didn't see this coming. I didn't think the defense was hold Drew Brees to 11 points good on the home or on the road. I'm very surprised by this. And if this defense stays on the up and up, they, they might sneak into the playoffs because the Falcons aren't running away with it either. No, they're definitely not. The Falcons are not running away with it. 
But it should lead to an interesting rest of the way in that division. I like what uh, what Atlanta doing it, what Atlanta doing it as well. Okay. Um, I'm I'm gonna say something. You know, my Giants won last night. Good win. Ugly offensive performance. I think that the Giants offense is putrid to watch. And if not for Odell, I don't know where we would be. I like the fact that Odell is prime time. When the lights come on, he shows up. But to Dak Prescott, a lot of Cowboy fans are catching heat for the fact that some of them want Tony Romo win. But before I saw that, I had every intention of coming on tonight and saying that I think it might be time for Romo. I feel like as you go up against high-level defenses, certain throws need to be made, and I'm not sure if Dak is capable of making those throws. What do you feel when I say that? That's a tough situation, man. Mm. That's a tough situation. But I, I tell you what, I do agree that if you got to evaluate how Dak Prescott performs this week coming up because it's, it's right. bigger than Dak Prescott right now. We appreciate mm-hmm. the love. We appreciate the 11-1 record. But now that we're here, we're trying to win the Super Bowl. So Dak Prescott seems to be a, a confident guy. Right. I would make the move if he struggles. I would make the move with Tony Romo because I know Dak Prescott is a headstrong guy and it wouldn't affect him if you sit him down and tell him, listen, we're here, you're trying to win the Super Bowl, we feel right now for this second, Tony Romo, it's best to do that for us. I believe Dak Prescott is mentally strong enough to accept that and take it as it is and be a team leader for the Dallas Cowboys in any capacity he needs to be. I agree, I agree. I caught some flat from one guy on Twitter, I forget his name, because there was a certain throw that Dak missed that I said Romo would make, and he wants to run to all the interceptions and the bad plays that Romo's had his career. Now, you can't take that away. He, he's had some terrible moments. But as a quarterback, as a precision passer, there's not many quarterbacks that are as accurate as Tony Romo, and I felt like if a few of those passes, as a Giants fan saying this, if a few of those passes was on target, I'd be talking a lot differently than I am right now about the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. And I feel like as you go up against better defenses with tighter coverage, there's going to be other teams out there with pretty decent secondaries that's going to force you to throw in the tight windows. You need a quarterback who's precise, and I'm not sure Dak is that guy. Hey, and I'm not mad, I'm not mad at that, and I can't disagree. And the only reason I would make the change, like I said, is because I believe – that Dak Prescott is mentally strong enough to accept that. A lot mm. of quarterbacks are not. So I believe okay. his mental toughness definitely plays a part in this role to change the quarterback. I got a quick question for you in that game. I'm not sure if that Dez play was a fumble. Like, in my heart of hearts, I don't think it was a fumble. You felt that was a fumble last night? Man, we, we don't know what's a catch from what's not a catch today, <laughs> man. To, to me, man, I... Honestly, I thought it was a fumble, man. I thought it was, I thought it was mm. a fumble. I thought he made uh, some football moves. Right. Um, and, I, hey, I just thought it was a fumble. That camaraderie and him getting the ball as late as he got the ball, I believe, played the part. I, you got to get mm. your, your best player the ball early as possible. And, and to have the best player touch the ball for the first time in the game with fourth quarter with two minutes left is just uh, you're, asking for, you're asking for a lot. You're asking for a lot. 
I, I feel like for me, it's a fumble. The football move by the laws, it's, it's a fumble. But when I watch the replay, I'm still stuck because I'm somewhere in the middle of catch and fumble because it's like it felt like he made a football move before he actually had the ball. But as you said that, everybody's been looking around the league. You don't know what a catch is anymore. A guy catches the ball, makes a play, falls down, the ball comes out as a drop. A few years ago, it was a catch. A, the ground can't cause a fumble. I just don't know anymore. I don't even know how referees do the job, frankly. Hey, hey, I, I can't agree. Just just like just like when, when receivers drop a pass and then you take you have the replay and they drop the pass because they tried to make that football move before they caught the right. ball. I believe a lot of these athletes make the football move anticipating they're gonna catch the ball the same way, kinda of like what Des did, and that's what happened. He made his football move probably before he caught the ball, which made it look like a catch because of his football move first. Than probably actually being the catch, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I totally get it. We saw a play like that that wasn't as bang bang with Odell. One of his drops was basically what you right. just described. The ball was almost to his fingertips, and he turned his head to go up the field before he secured the catch. So I can see where you're coming from with that. But that's the referee's job to make, and our job to prognosticate, I suppose. Last question Definitely. before I let you go. I don't know. Some days I look at the Seattle Seahawks, I see an extraordinary team. And yesterday, in a few other games, they look extremely ordinary. What 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 can we make of the Seattle Seahawks? I think the Seattle Seahawks are an ordinary football team this year. I believe mm. if they played a team with weapons, they will get in trouble. They they blow out a team like Carolina, and people feel like, oh, Seattle's back. Seattle's not back. Uh, Cam Newton's struggling. Yes. Cam Newton is not... A, a, a pocket quarterback Pam, Cam Newton doesn't have the same team That he had last year So Seattle defense and the Seattle team Is going to feast upon uh, a team like that But if they face a team Like they face in the Green Bay With weapons like Aaron Rodgers Or the Giants or the Cowboys Any team with weapons Will exploit the Seattle Seahawks Therefore I believe they are ordinary team You know you might be right. When I when I look at the NFC, frankly, I don't think there's an extraordinary team of the six that would make the playoffs. I feel like it's situational. This is going to be a straight-up matchup postseason in the NFC, I believe. I think depending on who you play, when you play them, and where you play them with the side who comes out of the NFC. I definitely agree. There's no we – can, we can go ahead and say the NFL has been down this year as far as elite oh, yeah. Talent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In my opinion, the NFL has uh, has definitely took taken taking a dive, and since the NFL taking a dive, I have to go and by default and go Giants and Patriots. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> I'm knocking on someone. Right? I wouldn't mind that. You know, <laughs> and you know what? The ratings show that. There's a lot of talk about ratings, and and people are turning away from the games because of the politics and Colin Kaepernick. No, the football is just not very good. And it's no mistake, I'll throw this your way, it's no mistake that the Dallas Cowboys have four consecutive primetime games in a row. That's unheard of. But that shows you how desperate the league is to generate money in these primetime slots because nobody's watching any of the other games. Yeah, man, and it's and it's sad to see. In the NFL, they, they have a problem on their hands that they have to fix. You know, yeah, they have they absolutely. have a lot of issues that they definitely have to fix. Can we dance? Can we celebrate? <laughs> I know my son. I know my son loves the celebrations, and he loves all the antics certain players like a Cam Newton does or a Odell Beckham does when they're making plays. 
So the NFL just has adjustments to make to make them watchable again. And of course, they got to correct uh, and rectify these officials and what's going on. But hopefully, they can fix some situations in the offseason to make the NFL uh, make the NFL great again. I'll use a, a, yes. Trump, a Trump quote. <laughs> no, absolutely. Let's, let's stop trying to make these football players soldiers going to war and just professional athletes who get to perform and show out. Hey, Rich, it was great to have you back on. We must do this again. Football is getting more and more intriguing, bringing insight that I can't even bring to this particular topic. Yo, man, let, let them know where they can find the Everything Sports Podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Rich, I came Rich's Everything Sports Podcast is on tonight, 8 o'clock. Tune in. Uh, my Twitter, A Rich five one five one. I'm always tweeting out the show. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me anywhere you need to by the same name, A Rich Akeem eighty four. Hey, Mr. Jarvis, keep doing what you do, man. I appreciate you. You're doing an excellent right. job, and you have an excellent show, even if it's without me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother man. I'll holler at you soon. All right, bro. Later. Hey. There you have it. The reunion. Some of you might not have said it outwardly, but you missed us together. So there you have it. Jaw, A. Rich, doing what we do. We still do it better than everybody else, now that I think about it. That segment right there shows you the power. You know what I mean? But I wanted to debut. Let me let me stop the music. Let me stop the music. Let me stop this music real quick. I wanted to debut a new segment here on you know, I've been plotting on it for a little minute right now. I've been plotting on finding little ways to, you know, spruce up the show. I just don't want to talk to you guys about my opinions in particular. To me, sports is such a living and breathing thing that there's so much things happening around us said by other people that I need to talk about. Not just me seeing what's happening and talking to you guys, having a guest like A. Rich, TJ, William Martin, uh, uh, Chris and Blue Collar, and the rest of the car sessions family come on here and talk about him. Fans have a lot to say, too. And even more than fans, sports personalities, they have a whole hell of a lot to say. So with that said, I wanted to bring you a, a new segment entitled, I Don't Know About That, here on Car Sessions. <laughs> I don't know about that Essentially It's me seeing A quote Whether it's from a fan Or more often than not From a media type In relation to sports Whether it's an opinion Or something he deems as fact That I hear And I respond by simply saying I don't know about that And telling you why I don't know about that So let me hit the music This is one of my favorite beats By the way Let me throw this on Shout out to Wayne for this Stephen A. Smith for a lot of guys, a lot of people in the sports realm, he is the voice of a, a large contingent of sports fans in America. Last week on First Take, this guy, Stephen A., is quoted as saying that if he had to get rid of one of the big four, excuse me, one of the big three, from the Golden State Warriors. No no respect for Draymond Green, huh? Whether it's Klay Thompson, Chef Curry, KD is not nice. He would get rid of, he would completely get rid of Steph Curry. 
So now Stephen A. Smith, Jarvis here to say to you, I don't know about that. I really don't know about that. You're saying to me that Clay Thompson is more valuable to the Golden State Warriors and what they're trying to do than a, than a Steph Curry? The attention that Steph Curry takes away from Clay Thompson and to a degree from Kevin Durant, hello, 57% from the field is not an accident. Steph Curry has a lot to do with that. His mere presence on the floor has a lot to do with that. Makes life a lot easier for Clay Thompson. So now your argument is going to be Clay Thompson is a, is a dead-eye shooter. Great perimeter defender. He's more valuable. He's more valuable than Steph. Cool. My argument would be, and we're still seeing it, even through the championship, the finals run right now, Chef Curry is the more consistent play. All right. He's not 6'11". He, he, he's not the biggest guy He's never going to be a great defender Especially with his responsibilities on offense It's not just catch and shoot Ball handler Coming off screen Creating for others Hitting shots Getting to his spots on the floor Getting bumped and jammed all over the place Again, he's six foot three, But he's like 180 pounds soaking wet His responsibilities on the floor Outweigh that of a Clay Thompson Frankly, when it was all said and done, as great of a defender as Klay Thompson is. In the NBA Finals, Rick Combination Platter, Pierre Irving decided that he was going to walk for his There was nothing anybody could do. Dame Lillard, same thing. James Harden, the past two days in the playoffs, same thing. They all got that work from these stars. Russell Westbrook, same thing. Conference Finals last season. So for you to say, that Clay Thompson is the guy you would keep over Steph Curry. I just don't know about that. No disrespect. I like Clay a lot. But let, let us forget, lest we not forget that this guy can't even put the ball on the floor. He has zero ball handling skills. Have we forgotten this? How the fuck the ball? To this day, his job is not to dribble. He essentially, his role in that offense, that elite offense, no disrespect, that elite offense, he's a 3 and D guy. He's a 3 and D guy. Yes. VEP, I put the wrong beat on, right? His role right there. He's a microwave shooter. Don't get me wrong. He can drop 60. He can drop 40. Whatever. But when you strip down his role to black and white for the Golden State Warriors, he's 3 and D. Take on the team's best perimeter player. Hit your open shots when they come your way. And shoot within the rhythm. Don't force any shots when the ball comes your way. If you're open, shoot it. No hesitation. That is his job. That is not Steph's job. Steph's job on the Warriors is way more dynamic. And they got even more dynamic when they got Kevin Durant the ball because they were asking this man to while still being the scorer, still find ways to still be a true point guard from time to time throughout the game. You know how hard it is to turn off the point guard in you? Sometimes you got to be a point guard. Sometimes you got to be a two guard. And you're going to get rid of Steph, unanimous MVP, back-to-back MVP, world champion. Stephen A., I don't know about that, bro. Hope y'all like that segment. Every week, 
going forward. There's going to be something happening in the sports world that I simply just don't know about. And before I get out of here, car session, you know, I'm, I'm in that stretch run. I'm in that final lap. I'm on the highway. My exit is approaching. I want to talk about some things I've seen around the, the internet. Again, remember, as I said, sports is a living and breathing mechanism. It's not just me talking. There's so much happening that you guys provide content for me on car sessions. In relation to this guy, Stephen A., and what he what he was quoted as saying about Clay over Steph that I simply don't know about, on Twitter, one of his fans, one of his minions responded by saying, and I quote, I agree with everything Stephen A. Smith said. Steph is great, but Clay is a bad man on both ends, and KD is KD. It's funny how you people work. What do you mean, you people? Yes, you people. Now, because ESPN is not telling you to love Steph Curry, it's open season on Steph Curry. All of a sudden now, because you're not being told to follow Steph's every waking movement, every Steph 30-foot pull-up, now it's time to say that he's replaceable, he's expendable. And because Stephen A., the voice of a large contingent of sports fans, says it, 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 he decrees it, so it so so shall be it. It's okay to disrespect Steph. It's guys here that I speak to on a regular basis who will remain nameless, but you know who you are. Talking about, oh, yeah, I don't love Steph. Steph ain't doing nothing. Then I have to put him on and Steph is doing 27, 6, and 4. Like, how how is it possible for you as a professional ball player to quietly put up 27, 6, and 4? Huh? A lot of y'all don't even know that. Y'all just wait for ESPN to put the highlights on and because y'all see them geared towards Kevin Durant, geared towards what Clay does, geared towards Jamon and his flying legs. Y'all are not even realizing that Steph's putting up another Steph-like season. Then you go on Twitter and you put these things out about, oh, yeah, he's expendable. I agree, Stephen A. Let me get my Stephen A. Paul Palms. Yay, Paul Palms. No, I was about to go in. I'm going to stop. And last but not least, in the sports world, this is by way of Facebook. It's about NFL players trading jerseys at the end of the game. They've gotten that from soccer players. I don't know when it started or who started it, but I know in soccer, players at the end of matches, they'll trade jerseys with each other, they'll hug, they do whatever. Very physical sport, just like the NFL is a very physical sport. And this person is quoted as saying, put a different beat on. This person is quoted as saying, I'm sorry, but that bugs me. He's speaking about Ezekiel Elliott and, and Odell Beckham trading jerseys. Let me, let me set the, the, the mood for you guys. Let me set the scene for you guys. He says, I'm sorry, but that bugs me. Division rivals fighting for playoff position. Yeah, this bleep. Am I, all, am I the only one that finds this jersey swap annoying? Especially out in the open in front of fans. Yes, this guy wrote that. You know, I understand that sports fans, they, in a way, they live through these rivalries. Some of the people that they dislike the most cheer for their rival football team, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever. Water polo, whatever. Golf, whatever. Ryder Cup, huh? tennis, whatever. You guys live and you breathe this life. But what, what you guys have to understand now, this is not the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, or parts of the early 2000s. The days of bitter rivals or bitter rivalries, excuse me, where 
players on opposing sides can't deal with each other, can't commiserate with each other, are long gone. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's been going longer than we think. It's just that it wasn't on camera, which I, I'll grant that poster about it being in person. But at this point, you as fans, you do your homework. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You do your homework. Professional sports is big business. Everything down to the chalk on the field that, 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 that markers the yard lines. It's all part of a business. These players are more aware of that business than ever before. This is not before where you bled for your team, you bled for your creed. No. These players are one-man industries, especially the high-end, big-time players. They are walking industry. They're not concerned about the fans being mad that Ezekiel Elliott traded jerseys with Odell Beckham. Zeke Elliott is an industry. Odell Beckham is an even bigger business than Zeke Elliott as of right now. These guys are not concerned with the idiosyncrasies and the emotions of fans who want to see them hate each other but hug each other behind the scenes. Absolutely not. I, for one, I don't really care about the jersey spot. You know what? For some reason, I've always been a fan of seeing football players, you know, at the end of the games, chopping it up, showing each other love because really and truly, each and every week that they play that game, especially with the game getting bigger, the game getting stronger, the game getting faster, they put their lives on the line. It's no different from a boxer Scrapping it out for 12 rounds. I saw Terrence Crawford on Saturday knock that dude silly, and then within seconds of knocking him out, he went over and he hugged him. When you when you put your physicality, you put your physical being on the line, you're gonna have that moment with your competitor where you know what? Good game. I appreciate you. We we made this possible, and now we get to go back home to our families after putting our lives and more specifically our bodies on the line for three and a half hours in the blustering cold. So if these guys want to trade jerseys, they want to dap each other up, go right on. Also, football camps. Football is not like a, you know, football is a, a lot more of a regional sport outside of New York. New York, you have some pretty decent football players, but it's no accident. It's no accident that a lot of these players, they come from Cali, they come from different parts of the South. A lot of these players might have been in the same football camps with each other on the come up. A lot of these players go to the same colleges because it's not like before where players are spread out. A lot of the really good players go to the same schools. When you watch NBC and they do the player intros, you might see three players from the U. You might see three players from Bama. You might see three players from Florida State. You might see three players from USC, Texas, Notre Dame, so on and so forth, University of Florida, so on and so forth, Oregon, so on and so forth. These guys know each other. They're not robots. You want rivalry with no emotions? Play Madden. Play all the, play 2K. Play NHL. But in real life, these players are going to show love to each other. And we just have to appreciate that. You know, I do a good job of appreciating that because I understand. Sports fans, hate the rival for the 60 minutes or the 48 minutes, however long the games are, the Niners and whatever. You can hate the rival. But these men do not dislike each other. And they're not going to pretend to dislike each other as part of some show. They're not going to WrestleMania after the football game to have a, a cage match. They're going to go home to their family. Understand that. In the last bit, the last bit of info from the internet. Let me stop this music. The last bit of info I have for you guys before I cut up out of here is from one of the most entertaining guys. One of the most entertaining characters in all of sports. His name is Adrian Broner. 
I don't know Adrian Broner. And when you hear the quote, you're going to understand why I'm saying I don't know Adrian Broner. Fair warning. If you have kids listening to the show, you might want to turn it away. I couldn't, I couldn't censor it. But I, it's a grown show for the most part. And quite frankly, the curses make it even more foolish. But again, remember, I don't know Adrian Broner. Keep that in mind. Call me twin. Everybody don't call me twin. You know a nigga fuck with me if they call me twin. If they call me AB, they just heard of me. Call me Adrian, they just heard of me. Call me twin. I've been hurting you. If you know Adrian Brona and you really mess with him, you call him twin. And at the end of this video, I had to get the audio. I stripped the audio from the video. You heard, I heard you twin, yeah. <laughs> what? And then mind you, in the video, the cameraman ran up into the face of, of twin, because I guess I know him now. For this moment, I don't know if it was staged, but it, to me, it felt like some kind of sun in the way he was talking to him. You know, I don't want you to call me AB, because, you know, you don't know me. You know, you don't call me Adrian. Yeah, yeah, call me twin. I swear to God, Adrian Brown. Oh, wait. I swear to God, twin finds new ways, new ways to annoy me. Twin, the boxer, when he's on his game, is one of the best in the world. But these out-of-the-ring antics, it's not even entertaining like Conor McGregor. It's annoying. It's not entertaining like Floyd Money Mayweather. It's annoying. Call me twin. Yo, make sure that do. make sure this is on camera so people can see, because he's having a real neato moment. Not to, to steal a quote from Marcellus Wiley and Max on their show back in the day. They want to use certain words, so they would say neato instead of the word that I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. He wanted to have one of them moments on camera. These guys are so concerned and so consumed with perception and how they look, as opposed to remembering why people are caring about how you look in the first place. You're a boxer, twin. Box. I'm not one of these guys that says act like you've been there before and all this and that. What I'm trying to show you is, is that if you box and the eyes got on you because you box, we're not here for the antics. Notice, ever since it became more about twin, the guy with the antics, and less about twin, AB, all about billions, the boxer, things have not been the same for you. So maybe, yeah, you, you may never hear this. But it, but if somehow some way it gets to you, box AB. Oh, just box twin. That's all, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode, another successful episode of the Car Session Sports Report. I hope you enjoyed. You know, share with your friends, spread the word that there's high quality sports talk out here. I do this. This is what I do. If I was a rapper, I'd be the hottest unsigned rapper out right now. That, yeah, I'm puffing my chest out that much. Let me let me be in my bag for a second. But until next time, y'all, I'm out. Peace.